listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. How's everybody doing? If you're with us online, a warm, warm welcome to you. We're so glad to have you. Those of you watching on our Delton and Middleville campuses, a warm, warm welcome to you as well. We're kicking off a brand new series that's going to take us through the month of June. And I, and I kind of wanted to get this on your minds by giving you something to hold on to. Something that kind of captures the whole idea of what we're going to be, what we're going to be talking about. So hopefully something that would help you to remember this a little bit. So I thought what I would do today is give you my favorite candy. So everybody across our campuses, Delton, Middleville, if you're watching online, let us know. We'll send it to you. Is getting a package of now and later candy. Now there's two groups of you that should not eat this. And that is if you have fillings or false teeth. If you have either one of those, just put that in your mouth. It'll last you a good week and a half. All right? Other than that, have fun with, with the now and, and the later. And I want to kind of walk you through this idea of life now and life later. I, when I was a kid, when I was about 15 years old, my father had a 1965 Buick Electra. It was a massive vehicle. I mean, they don't make cars like that anymore. And my father was teaching me how to maintain a car. And one of the things he was teaching me to do was to change the oil in the car. And back then, of course, every 3,000 miles, you'd change the oil. And I'll never forget, my father pulled out this orange box with black lettering on it. It was a Fram oil filter. Anybody remember those? And he was, he was telling me how important it was that every time you change the oil in the car, you change that filter too. And then Fram as a company, had this slogan. I don't know if everybody remembers this, but it went like this, and if it does finish it with me, it was, pay now or pay me later. And the whole idea was, look, you can pay a little bit now for this filter, and you'll, you'll prolong the life of your car, but if you don't, you're going to pay more later. And when we see that, we see what happens when you skimp now in hopes that it'll be better later. I mean, we just saw this in the news with with. Uh, some folks that are a little more well-to-do that were paying for their kids to get into college. And those kids are paying for that now. Those parents are paying for that now. And, and I want to talk to you about the decisions that you make now that have repercussions later. In fact, what I want to talk to you about for the next several weeks is how to prepare to get to where you've got to go later from where you currently are now that you just got to from where you recently were that you can't even remember. <laughs> I want to talk to you about how to prepare to get to where you've got to get to later from where you currently are now that you just got to from where you recently were that you can't even remember. Let me just make this really simple. We're doing a series called Now and Later. How to prepare now for what's next later. Because the reality is we are all moving through seasons in our lives. Every one of us is moving through seasons in our lives. And here's the thing that I've learned. What you're doing now is a good indicator of what you'll do later. Do right now and you'll do well later. 
Make right decisions now, and you will raise the probability that those right decisions will have good outcomes later on. I've, I've actually heard it said like this, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Take a look at how someone is living their life. It's a good predictor of what's to come. We all have life transitions. We all have changes that we're going to go through. And, and some, some of us have an idea about what's next. Like, for example, it could be you're graduating. We have kids that are going to be moving up. High schoolers that are going to be graduating. Maybe some of you are, are graduating from, from college or something like that. Or maybe you're going to college for the first time. Maybe you're preparing for a wedding. That's the next, the next change that's happening in your life. Or maybe it's a baby that's on a way. Or maybe it's another baby that's on the way. Or maybe you're going to take a new job. I just heard this week about folks taking new jobs. And maybe it's going to a new school. Maybe, maybe you're at that transition in life where the house that was once full, you have an empty nest now. Any empty nesters, right? How about maybe it's retirement, we all go through changes and transitions and you see it coming, right? And you feel excited, but there's some stress that comes with that too because next means transition. And see, transition is easy. Change is hard. See, next means something's going to shift. And when something shifts, that means something's going to change. And with that comes stress, even in the best of circumstances. This past week, I celebrated six months here at TVC. Six months. Now, honestly, I look at that and I, I say, wow, where did six months go? But I will tell you, um, I find myself from time to time sitting in the stress of the change. I love being here. I love that God's called me here, that I get to serve you. But I would be lying to you if I didn't say there are times I wake up and I miss the fact that my parents and my wife's parents are over 600 miles away. That we spent nine years building friendships only to say goodbye and to, to move on. And there's been, there's been shifts and there have been some lonely days in that. Because change means stress sometimes as you walk through it. I mean, transitions are always stressful, even the ones you look forward to. Has anyone ever been the mother of the bride? Exciting moment, right? But there's stress that goes along with that. And so here's the question that I want us to think about as we move through this series. Are there things we can do now to prepare for what's next later? Are there things that you and I can do now to prepare for what's next later? Later, it's like packing a bag for a trip. Recently, uh, I was down in Atlanta. Now, I, I don't know how you are when you pack for a trip. Maybe you're the kind of person that when you know you're going away, you start packing a week before you have to go. Anybody like that? All right? Or maybe you're the person that you wait until the night before, and that's when you're packing. Or maybe you're the person that's like, I've got to leave in two hours. It's time to pack the bag. I'm like somewhere in the week before, night before category. And so I'm packing, I'm packing my bag and I get everything in there and I, I forget my razor. And I, I have to tell you that I do think that facial hair grows faster in Barry County than anywhere else in the country. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, you pack your bag to prepare 
for what's coming. But along with everything else that you pack for what's next, you pack you. You pack you. It's not just about the stuff. It's about what you bring to the table in the seasons of life. In fact, I I like saying it like this, wherever you go, there you are. Because here's the problem, I, I, I sometimes encounter that when, when people go through the stress of change, they think that just changing their environment or changing their circumstances or changing the variables that they think they control, they think that that will change them and it doesn't. And I've watched people go through jobs and relationships and friendships and money and all sorts of things thinking that that's going to bring the change that they're looking for. I, I hear people say, well, well once I arrive in that mysterious place of arrival, then I will. But you never get to that place. Here's the thing. A new view and a new dude don't mean a new you. (laughs) One more time for the people in the back. A new do doesn't mean a new you or a new view. You're You're the same old girl or boy that you used to be. Same spending habits, same relationship habits, same ethics, morals, strengths, weaknesses. See, there's no necessary correlation between knowing what's next and being prepared for what's next. I've stood on a stage similar to this for 20 plus years doing weddings. Many of them. They're exciting occasions. People are together Almost everybody's usually happy. And what happens is the bride and the groom always exchange a set of words. But just because you say I do doesn't mean you can. I do doesn't mean I can. I'm 18 years into my marriage and I'm still learning. And I meet couples in 25, 45, 50. We have friends that are 67 years in. And they say, well, we're still, we're still learning. Because here's what we're going to learn. Better than a promise is a plan and preparation. Just because I say I do doesn't mean I can or that I'm prepared for the changes and the transitions that may happen. Knowing what's right and having the ability to do what's right are two different things. And James, the brother of Jesus, kind of weighs in on this. And I love this passage. In fact, at the end of what he writes, he says, if you take his advice in the current season of the life that you're in and you, will, you apply it, here's what he says, you will be blessed in what you do. How many of you watching online on our Delton campus or Middleville How many of you would like to be blessed in what you do? How many of you would like to have God's favor on your life in the things that you do? See, there's there's something you can do in this season that will set you up for success in the next. And from personal experience, this is so true. And, And let me just tell you something else. Change is sometimes really hard. Changing me sometimes is really, really hard. One of the best habits to prepare you for the future 
is to apply the things that you hear. Just as application makes all the difference right now, it will help you as you walk through life. So James, the the brother of Jesus, weighs in one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, and this is what he says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. That, That word, listen, Here's the thing, when he was writing this, they didn't have copies of the Bible that they carried with them, like you and I do. You can, you could, you can go out into the lobby across any of our campuses and, and pick up a Bible and take it with you. They didn't have that. They relied on what was spoken and, and what they were taught and, and what they were heard. So we could substitute this and say, do not merely read the word. And so deceive yourselves. See, that the challenge sometimes in, in this word deceive is we give ourselves credit for just being here. For just listening. We assume that there's value in hearing the truth. I, I sometimes have heard church people along the years come up to me and say, you know, I, I think we're going to find another church because I, I love this this phrase, because I'm not being fed. Which, by the way, if you're unchurched, just check your Facebook for a minute. But those of you that are churched, I just have to tell you that's usually code for I don't like the way you're doing it. It has nothing to do with not being fed, because let me just paint the picture of this. Usually it's people who've been churched for a really long time who say that. And so I sort of had this aha moment one day, like my kids are 10 and 9, and for the most part, we still prepare their meals, but if my kids come home from college after growing up in my house for 17 years and say, excuse me, dad, we're not being fed, my response is, well, go to the refrigerator and feed yourself. And so here's what happens here. Here, Here's the thing. What we're doing right now is not the meal. This is the menu with the ingredients that you ought to take with you and go home and tear them apart and put them together and read them and pray about them and meditate on them and think about them and you see what God's going to do when he feeds you. I'm just the waiter bringing the food. Tell me how much time you're spending with God on a daily basis. What's he teaching you? What are you surrendering and sacrificing? This is hearing versus doing. In fact, can I I just share something I've discovered? People who've taken a lot of time to eat usually become the people that commit themselves to feeding others. Very rarely do they say, I'm not being fed, because they're consumed in making sure everybody else gets to eat. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. By the way, this is one of the most brilliant illustrations in all of the New Testament. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
Someone who sees something that's a little off, but doesn't do something. That's something none of us would ever do. The mirror tells us what needs to be done. In fact, you might say this, a mirror requires a response. I know how long you stand in front of the mirror in the morning. You know how long? Until it gets better. It's true. You and I stand in front of the mirror until something gets better. Tomorrow you will look in the mirror and you'll feel convicted about what you'll see and then you'll do something about it. But let me tell you this. Getting our hair right has far less to do with the direction and the quality of our lives than getting our behavior right or our attitude right or our heart right or our motives right or our disciplines right. Can I tell you, when when you made the biggest mistake of your life, your hair probably looked great. No one gets credit for looking in the mirror. You can't meet with clients looking like that, but I looked in the mirror. Right? See, in the realm of personal behavior, we give ourselves credit all the time. We sit under teaching. We read something. We hear something. It's obvious what I should do, but I'm not going to. And then we shift the blame. I see Christians do this sometimes. In social media, we start posting Bible verses about what God ought to do when he's already been clear about what he wants from us. It's seeing something, but doing nothing. And if you do that now, you'll do that later. He, he, he goes on, he says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law, say perfect law, the perfect law that gives, what's that last word? Freedom. So talk about looking intently, okay? How many of you remember there used to be these pictures, and when you looked at them, it just looked like a bunch of colored dots, and you, at least is how it worked for me. I'd hold it as close to my nose as I could, and then I'd back it up slowly, and all of a sudden, something would jump off the page. You know what I'm talking about? It was looking intently, focusing, lasering in. Because if you stared at the page long enough, something would emerge off the page. He's saying, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, what's the perfect law? What is the greatest of all of the laws. It's the law of Jesus. Love God, love others, and love yourself. Love God, love others, and love yourself. And so here's the thing. He, he, He goes on, he says, that's the law that gives freedom. Love God, love others, love yourself. That gives freedom. See, seeing now and doing now and making the changes result in freedom later. How do I love God more? How do I love others more? How do I love myself more? See, growing up, I was taught some things that later in life began to make sense. Like We were just taught about tithing growing up. It was just part of life. And my mother taught it this way. Here's what you do with your money. First you give, then you save, and then you live. Actually, for us, it was the 10-10-80 principle. 
You give 10%, you save 10%, and you live on the other 80%. What we do now is we live on 95% or 100%, and we hope there's going to be something left later on. And that doesn't work. And I have to tell you, it didn't seem very liberating then. I remember... Like, I was that kid that got birthday cards with money in them, and my mother would collect it all together, and then she'd sit down with me, and we'd count it all up. And I remember the first time that I could remember, five or six years old, there's probably $100 in cards. My mother took 10 bucks of it. I go, what are you doing with that? She goes, you're bringing that to church on Sunday. I was like, what? And then she took another 10, and she put it away. And she said, now the rest, let's talk about what you're going to do with that. I'm grateful for that then, for what it's meant now. It didn't seem liberating. It didn't seem to bring freedom then. How about about just forgiving? It feels like I'm punishing myself. I'm, I'm letting the guilty party go. But you know what I have found when I've chosen to forgive others? it actually brings freedom to me. Because what I do when I hold a grudge is I carry a weight intended for somebody else. And God says, learn to forgive. Oh, now I get it. Speak truth to one another. Each one of you should put off falsehood and humility. All these verses all of a sudden make sense. What God's doing is saying, if if you'll be truthful and honest and forgiving, you'll find freedom, personal freedom. In your life. Then I remember being taught about sexual purity. And certainly as a, as a high schooler, that sounds stifling. We just hang out in a locker room. And you hear the stories and all the things that are, are going on. And how, how's that liberating? But here's what I, here's what I learned. Because I work to apply it. Purity now paves the way for intimacy later. And I didn't want to be somebody else's regret. And then I learned something that will stick with me and I'll teach it and teach it and teach it for the rest of my life. Exclusivity, not experience, fuels romance. When I got married, my wife didn't say, well, let's talk about your experience. I want to, I want, I'd like to have some references. No, she didn't do that. good that's not even in the notes <laughs> you know what meant something to her that out of all the people that I could have chosen I chose her and she chose me and for the rest of our lives we've chosen each other exclusivity not experience fuels romance do you see how the perfect law brings freedom it brings freedom I could go on and on and on, but looking and making adjustments now results in liberty or freedom later. The seasons of life are connected. The seasons of life are connected. Can I, can I just make a side note? And this is important. I, I, it was funny. I was, I was on social media the other day, and somebody wrote, what four words do you wish that you could have told your 15 or 20-year-old self, or something like that. And I wrote, never underestimate regret. Because here's what I want you to know. Honor God now 
so the enemy has no ammunition later. Honor God now so that the enemy of your soul that would like to derail you and destroy you has no ammunition later. And the beautiful part about being gospel, Christ-centered people is God is in the business of wiping the slate clean. That's what he does. So he says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, here it comes. They will be blessed in what they do. Not what they do will be blessed. Literally, you will be blessed and fulfilled in the doing. In the doing. The payoff is what happens in you. The change that happens in you, the habit of doing will bring you joy and happiness. Maybe your seasons haven't changed because you have not learned what you need to learn in the season that you're in. And I want to pause for a moment because I think, perhaps watching online, or one of our campuses, or maybe even right here in Hastings, some of you feel stuck and you feel hopeless. And I just want to encourage you before this day is out or before this week is out to take advantage of what I think is one of the greatest ministry tools we have here at TVC and it's called TVC Hope. And I just want to encourage you to connect with TVC Hope. I think we have something that we're going to throw on the screens for you to be able to do that. Well, we'll make sure that we get that up there before the service is out, but I want you to get unstuck. And if you find yourself in the cycle of negative thinking and really negative self-talk and you feel trapped by that, I want you to know that the perfect law that gives freedom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is ready to set you free. And we're ready to take you by the hand and to hold your hand and to walk you through that. To walk you through that. Being a doer now is preparation for being a doer later. In fact, the best preparation for what's next is to do what God's called you to do in this season. Because that will set you up for the season that follows. I remember the moment sitting in my office in New York where I began to wonder... God, are you preparing me for a change? Are you preparing me for transition? I didn't feel like there was real clarity around that. So I didn't, I didn't get up out of my desk and go, well, I guess I'll just coast between now and then. I said, God, what do you want to keep teaching me? What do you want to teach me now to prepare me for whatever is next? And I didn't know TVC. I had no idea what would be next until slowly... God began to reveal that. The best preparation for what's next is to do what God's called you to do in this season because that'll set you up for the season that follows. I, I love Elizabeth Elliot, and I love this quote. kind of hit me right between the eyes. She says, does it make sense to pray for guidance about the future if we're not obeying the thing that lies right in front of us today? 
how many momentous events in Scripture depended on one person's seemingly small act of obedience. Rest assured in this. Do what God tells you to do now and depend on it. You'll be shown what to do next. Can I say something that might sound a little bit difficult? Some of you might need to stop asking God to bail you out. He's already showed you what you need to do. And he's waiting for you to be obedient. And if you keep up the same patterns, you're going to get the same results, right? What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. What's God asking of you now? What's he asking in your finances, in your relationships? What's he asking in your commitment to a faith community? See, the habit of saying yes to God now is a habit that will follow you into and prepare you for the next season, even if the next season requires a different set of do's. My greatest regrets in life are associated with hearing, but not doing. Aren't yours? Because here's the thing, if you aren't doing now, you probably won't do later. You won't be prepared for what's next. Doing, not hearing, is what makes all the difference. Jesus actually taught the same thing. And, and here's how, here's his version, and maybe, maybe it'll be familiar to some of you. He, he said it like this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and what? Puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation is on the rock. It had its foundation on the rock. The way you lay a solid foundation for your life is by being a doer, not just a hearer. Doer now, doer later. So can I ask you two questions that I'd love for you to think about as you go into your week? What are you doing now that you shouldn't do that you tell yourself you won't do later? What are you doing right now that you shouldn't do that you tell yourself that you won't do later? And then let me ask you this question. What are you not doing now that you should do? That you tell yourself you will do later? James says, don't deceive yourself. You won't be ready for what's next. Jesus says, your life could come tumbling down. 
The storms will swell. The waters will rise. The winds will blow. Has anybody ever been through a season where the storms have have risen and the winds have blown and they've crashed? We're going to go through things like that. And doing, not just hearing, is what makes all the difference. Doing, not just hearing, will determine if you are prepared for what's next. So I just leave you with this question. Those of you online and across our campuses, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? Because I'll tell you, if you determine to do right now, you will do well later. I hope you'll stick around for this series. Let me pray. I'm thankful, God, for your love for us. I'm really thankful that you specialize in do-overs. I've certainly needed a couple of those in my life. I'm really thankful that you wipe the slate clean and you allow us to live and to learn and to grow. I want to pray for my friends today, though. My friends that are watching online and listening in Delton and Middleville and Hastings. God, what would you have us be doing to prepare for what you have for us next. And and then God, what would you have us stop doing so that we can be prepared for what you have for us? God, teach us and grow us so that we would not just be hearers, but we would be doers. And I thank you, God, for what you have for us in the future. Your plans are good. And we know that. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.